Thank you. Thank you, guys. Let's be seated. Thank you, team. Oh, a little bit off centre. We've got steps. We've got a table. I think the centre, we're trying to figure it out. Of the building must be somewhere about here. So we're all, well, anyone got OCD? Logan? <laughs> yeah, making things work. Yeah. Well, we're going to look at the uh, Word now. We've got our Bible reading. Uh, it's going to pop up in a moment. We're going to read it together. Uh, John 4, 21 to 31. Who read it this week? Yeah. You know, who uh, did the questions and got something they feel God spoke to them about, something to do with it this week? Well, it's good. Well, you don't need the sermon. You've got what you need. Uh, I've got a few thoughts to chuck into the mix. But as some of you are picking up, it's become important to me that I'm not getting in between people and their walk with God. And that you hear from God, I hear from God, from Scripture first, and then the, you know, there is a gift for teaching and preaching. So I don't discount that. In fact, there's a verse I'll share briefly. It's, it's an intriguing, uh, intriguing to me anyway, like what's the word, paradox that comes out. And, and that we learn to live in the kingdom of God with things we don't understand completely, but understand enough to work with. Or, or, or work with, so there we go. So I'll, I'll stop raving on, and we'll get into this. So we're going to read this together. You can read along, um, you know, so get some participation. So bring up the words, let's go. From the top, tell me, all together, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Got some more. There we go. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not um, bear, break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. There we go. Hopefully those words are getting familiar. Next slide. Now it's my turn. I'm in control now. So I call this message uh, because I wanted to make the point. My salvation, all of my salvation, is impossible for me. 
Do you agree? Now, now I know we have different levels of maturity here, and I don't know you all yet, so if you're a visitor here with, uh, and, and maybe a new beginner to Christian faith, I'm speaking at, at a reasonable level of maturity here this morning, so take that on board. Uh, and, and don't worry if you don't get all the detail and doesn't all fit together for you, but get what you can and work with what seems to come alive in your spirit. Okay, so there's a, just a little uh, how to work with it. It's, it's impossible for me to be a Christian by looking at me. All our salvation in Christ, everything God has said we're meant to be and do, is impossible for us. Have you owned that? takes a while, doesn't it, for you like me to, to really get, oh God, oh, you started me out on this and then I thought I could, man, I've got to do something for you, God. No, you can't do a thing. You bring nothing to the table of value and God still invites you. Some more thoughts on that. Matthew 19, 26 without going into the context, but just the slide. The disciples asked Jesus, Jesus a question in 19.25. How can we be saved? How can you get into the kingdom? And he says, Jesus says, the answer, with man or for humans, this is impossible. What a great answer. How can we do this? You can't. When will we have figured out enough? You'll never. When will we get good enough? Never. When will we hang around you long enough, Jesus? Never. Because it's more than hanging around. But then Jesus said, and these are the words that are full of hope, but what is impossible for man is Possible for God. That's why in Luke 10, uh, 42, we read the verse words to Jesus to Mary and this little encounter with Mary and Martha in the town of Bethany. Mary has chosen the one thing that is necessary. Depending what version you read, you'll get something like that. What had she done? She just sat and listened to Jesus. The, the full story says, without going into all of it, but the line before goes, Jesus says, Martha, you are worried about many things. Basically, stop it. Because your worry shows that you think you need to get something right. You need to, you have to play a part that's valuable. You have to figure something out and you're worried that you're not getting it right. But Mary has chosen the one thing. Not to worry about how to be saved, but to choose to listen to Jesus and let his salvation do its work. So Martha, it's impossible for you to get it all right, so you'll just stay anxious. There is no future in your cycle of worrying about how to get it, everything sorted just right. But Mary, there's future for you just listening to me and trusting me. 
a verse that I, I think I need to read because I'll get it wrong otherwise in Hebrews 4, 14. Here we go. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. Jesus be the center. When I survey the wondrous cross, hold fast to our, our, our confession of Jesus as our Savior, not ourselves. That Jesus, from beginning to end, Jesus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't that good? And here's the paradox that comes up. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence. Do you see the paradox? Weaknesses, confidence. Weaknesses, some Bibles say boldness. It's like, I'm weak, I can't achieve this, but I can come before God boldly to receive this. It's, it's a strange, it takes a while because we don't want to admit, or you might, but, but most of us don't want to admit that we're useless at being a Christian and useless at having faith and useless at being spiritual and useless at hearing God, and useless at it being in any way living a life that's honoring and pleasing to God. Weakness. But once we've admitted we're useless, we can then start to step in, Jesus. And we find a confidence and a courage and even a boldness rising up in us. But we never lose the fact that the moment it's not Jesus, it's just weak me. Because it's impossible for a man to save himself. To get it right, or a woman, by the way. Uh, but it's possible for God to save us all. And Christ, are well, you getting something there? We're getting something there. My, all my salvation is impossible for me. And we see that in the text we read. We see that in the text. And we're going to read it through. And I'm just going to make a few thoughts and uh, just a bit of a you know, little look into the Bible this morning. Uh, uh, pretty much all I know how to do when it comes to preaching. So uh, you're stuck with me now. Uh, I've only got one textbook. And, uh, I do read lots of books, by the way, uh, off and on, and, and listen to podcasts. I'm not living in a box, you know, but it's the Bible. Why? I don't know. It just is. I do know why, but, and, and I don't read the Bible to learn the Bible. I've done a lot of, you know, I do have a theology degree, so um, and God's taken a few years to wean me off the academic side. Uh, I read the Bible to know Jesus, and my knowledge of the Bible grows with that. I would say my personal reading of the Bible is at the highest it's ever been in my life. It's probably very few days in the last 40 years that I haven't read the Bible. Um, and I'm not boasting, I'm just stating facts. And I've been in ministry most of that time, so you know, they go together. I'm way off track here. Uh, so let's go and read these texts, and, and let's go. Uh, and, and I'm going to stop and start a bit as we go. 
uh, here because we're, we're just trying to grasp into our spirit from God. He wants to work into us the freedom that comes when we just give up trying to prove anything to God or anyone else and begin to just trust his work for us on a cross and in us as he works, forms Christ in us as we read at the end of uh, last week's reading. And and that's our freedom. And it's a real freedom. And uh, we're going to next week look at Galatians 5. One is for freedom that you've set free. Do not be taken you know, captive again. That has nothing to do with relationships to governments on earth. Nothing. It's all about this freedom before God. That I can come boldly, confidently, courageously into his presence with a boast of his goodness towards me, utterly weak and pathetic at the same time. And knowing that I can't do a thing to add any value to what Jesus has done. But I'm coming boldly anyway because he invited me. And his invitation gives me the boldness to walk in and to take a seat at the table and to take my place in his family and to own who he is and what he's given me. But at the same time, I'm just looking at myself in the mirror. I'm still weak. But something mysterious happens and there's strength in my weakness and glory in my brokenness. You know, it's mysterious. But you get what I'm saying. Don't fool ourselves that somehow, you know, Jesus is there and we become like him just by sitting next to him. No, no, we, we step right into him and he begins to be formed in us. Anyway, let's read this. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Now, the interesting uh, technical fact here, if we're talking about technical things to do with the Bible is, we now see that Holy Spirit, who's writing these verses, and I know he's working with Apostle Paul, this guy called, actually, Paul, who's an apostle, because I never once, I don't think, read of him calling himself Apostle Paul. He's describing his ministry, not labeling himself. Uh, and that doesn't discount his ministry. It just says, we're all equal in this body. There's no difference in, in hierarchy in the body of Christ. There's only one head. His name is Jesus. And my role gets to be more prominent, gets to stand out a little bit more. But 1 Corinthians 12 says something about that. And it says there's parts of the body that stand out and look more prominent, and there's parts that are, are more hidden away. And where does honor go? Well, it goes everywhere, doesn't it? It goes all through the body. So honor's everywhere. So you do need to honor me and the gift I bring. But it also goes, he says, but there's double honor goes to those who have a less seen role. And that's nothing to do with hierarchy. And so it's, it's, that's my little pet peeve for now. So what are you under? How, what are you under? Who are you under? I hope it's nobody but Jesus. You get where we're going, eh? He's saying, come on, you guys are under the law. Do you not listen to the law? Now, here's the technical part I said. The, the, the Holy Spirit's gone. He said, now, I'm going to take you, Galatians Christians, Christians in Galatia, all the way back and show you how the Bible works a little bit, that I've written some things down in the book of Genesis, and that's part of the law. 
thinking, oh, you might say to me, oh, it's not part of the law because it's not the law of Moses. It's not what Moses wrote down the law. I don't know, but Holy Spirit revealed and inspired through Paul that this is part of the law. And Paul, who was also a trained rabbi and scholar, he thought it was as well, so I have no argument. Don't argue with me over that. It's there. That's intriguing. I say, don't you listen to what you are reading? How many people you know get caught up on stuff? And you may be one of them times. You got caught up on one little thing in the Bible about some issue, and then you're fighting with everyone over it. Just pause and allow yourself to read the whole book. If you don't read the whole book, allow yourself to get a sense of the story of the whole book and re-look at your one little part in the big story, and you're going to see a whole lot smooth out. Someone hearing me here? Don't get, you know, we get caught up in one part, but listen to the whole story. And then interpret the part in the whole. You see how it's showing us how the, to read the Bible. So what are you under? He's saying, get out from under the law. Step into Christ going on. And then he introduces this guy, Abraham. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by the free woman. Doesn't it intrigue you, intrigue me, that the, the number, almost the main illustration of what it is to live a New Testament, New Covenant lifestyle, written about in the New Testament, is who? Abraham. So we, we get to go and read his life and get some real glimpses on what it is to live by faith in Jesus Christ. I know, that's, that's, that's a good thing. That's a grace from God. Abraham. So he's, he's trying to help them to see where they'd gone wrong in coming to Christ and then going back under the law. And we saw that in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, or well, in lots of places, when he said, How come you who began by the Spirit and now trying to continue by human effort. You began knowing it was impossible and only God could do it and the Spirit could do it. Then somehow you began to think that you could do something too. That a little bit of this Christian journey was possible for you. That a little bit of this faith in God was possible for you. And he says, how come? Come on, back out of there. Come on, out of there. Come back to just God alone. Just Jesus alone. So he, and then he starts talking about Abraham, and he tells the story about Abraham's life as a picture for us to grasp that it's just Jesus. It's just God. And, he, and he, he gives us a whole lot of insight in here about heaps of things. But we're not going to go into them all. But, so we're going to find there's two, two sons, two women, and there's two efforts. Two efforts. Work working to achieve something. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. So there we are. For these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai. Can you make the connection, some of us? Mount Sinai is the mountain where God gave the law to Moses. So when he says Mount Sinai here, the readers are hearing all the law that was given to Moses and that Moses wrote down and that we've been trying to follow. You miss it sometimes, don't you, if you don't know the connections. <laughs> Mount Sinai is the law mountain in, in uh, Exodus 19.20 where Moses was and God came and he wrote down and wrote the law down and then he took it down and shared it with the people. So that phrase, Mount Sinai, is referring to all that came through Moses. 
including Moses wrote Genesis, the story of Abraham, and Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's there. So he says, when you read Malthano, that's all in that little statement. So, so he's saying that all that is lined up with Hagar and with the son born according to the flesh. All you're trying to keep the law is all about your flesh. It's all about you being the center. Oh, we just sung a song about that. It's not right. Jesus meant to be the center of our faith, not our ability to keep the any law or principle or thing. And that's what he's trying to show these guys in this picture. And she is Hagar. You know, another interesting thought about Hagar, where'd she come from? Egypt. Egypt. Where the Israelites are going to have to come out of. Come out of slavery into freedom. Out of Egypt. To freedom. There's, there's a whole lot of connections there, eh? Slavery. Hagar. Slave. Egypt. Israelite slavery. Out of that, redeemed into freedom. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. So all that's going on in the temple, all the daily sacrifices, all that corresponds to the present Jerusalem, all that the Pharisees are up to in the Sanhedrin up to, uh, and she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. That's the next verse, Dave. Okay, we'll go back. I'll stop there for a moment. So you get this. Can you see this picture? Abraham has now got a wife and a slave wife, a concubine, his wife's servant who became his wife. And you know there's a story there. And so he has a son with Hagar because he and Sarah haven't been able to have children. And so Sarah suggests, well, God said we're gonna, you're going to have a son, so maybe you'll have the son with Hagar from Egypt. And they did. And he's making a point that there was nothing of God directly in the birth of the son. He was born according to what men and women do. Yes, we know that back in time God had created a system on how procreation happens, but you didn't need any faith here. You don't need any relationship with God. You don't need any work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're not any man or woman, most men and women of certain wide ages can do this. It happens all the time. We're all the consequence of it. Birth, conception of birth. So it's only said, this is what it's like for you trying to keep law. There's no faith, of, faith in God in that. There's no presence of the Spirit in that. It's just you. Just doing what people do. Do you get that? You're under something. You're not free. He's not not saying anything about parents and families and children and making any value statements about that at all. It's an allegory, he says. You know, you've got to hear hear that word. Otherwise, you oh, we get. No, no. But compare. So here's Ishmael born that way. But over here is Sarah. 
and they've been married for a long, long time, and they've had no children, and the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 that they were as good as dead. Very significant statement when it came to having children. For what is impossible for man is possible with God. For what is impossible for me is possible with God. They were as good as dead, you know, Romans chapter 4, verses 16, 17, 18, 19, when it came to having children. But they trusted God. Faith came into the picture. God said, you and Sarah will have a child. Decades, no children. The implication, it's fairly clear, but maybe someone could argue it, is that Sarah had gone through menopause and that they were dead in every way to having children. But God said, promise. Faith. That you will have a child. Now we know they probably cooperated and did the right things, but that they've been doing that for decades. This conception, and, and if we read, I'll skip these verses because it's a quote from Isaiah 54. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. And just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. That's why I've read this, this little verse just now. We could say more about it if we got time. Was born according to the spirit, so also it is now in this room today. Are, are we seeing something here? So Isaac was born because God spoke a word. And he said, I haven't gone and read it recently, uh, but he said, it shall be through Sarah that you shall have a son. And through that son, you know, I've got a whole lot of things to do. Isaac was born because God spoke a word. That there would be a son between Abraham and Sarah, even in their old age, even when their bodies were as good as dead to having children, there would be a son. And the son was conceived by the breath of the Spirit in doing something in Abraham and Sarah. What is impossible is possible with God. This is how all our walk with God happens. We create, you know, it's never our ability to do it. It's the word that's held by faith and the breath of the Holy Spirit that performs the word. That's why he's put this in there. He says, you've got to see this, guys. You're not of Hagar. You're not of trying to keep the law. You're not of a city on earth. But you're of something in heaven. And, and just, just a thought for some of you. It's taken me a while to get this. 
one of the things God's been encouraging me to do in the last couple of years or few years is, is to live and to not allow myself to have any line in my conceiving, you know, how I can conceptualize things uh, between earth and heaven. If I'm in Christ, there's no line. Physically, there is. But I'm not just a physical person. I'm a spiritual person. I'm a, a, a thoughtful person. And in how I carry my spirit and how I think, there should be no line between earth and heaven. He said that to them. You're of the city above in Jerusalem, which makes a difference to some of how I'm, what I'm aiming for on earth. Uh, anyways, I'm not going any further. So you're catching something here. He said, you're like Isaac. It was impossible for you to know God. It was impossible for you to come into a relationship with God. I mean, to even know about God sort of thing. It was impossible for you to get close to God. It was impossible for you to have a godly life. But what's impossible for you is not impossible for God. And just like it was impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have children, but God spoke, God's Spirit moved, and they did as they obeyed Him. So, same for us. This is how God always seems to work. He's allowed to, you know, do His own thing a bit different. But the pattern of Scripture is clear, isn't it? How did creation happen? And God said, and it was so. Psalms 33 tells us how that worked. And God said, and the Spirit moved, and it was so. The Word and the Spirit, the breath of God, came with the Word of God. You ever tried that? When you speak, I can hear I feel it now. As I speak, I can feel my breath on my hand. So as God speaks, His breath goes with the Word. This is not weird. It's just strange. <laughs> if you haven't thought about it, and the very breath that is going with the Word, coming out of the mouth, out of the heart of God, works to bring that Word into reality. So God spoke and creation happened. This is what happened with Abraham. There was a lapse, a time lapse. I don't get the time lapses, but God spoke and here and a few years later, it happened here. Um, but we just don't know. God knows the time. This is how, how I go into the New Testament and, and how Mary conceived Jesus. God said, you shall be with child, and the Holy Spirit moved, and she was with child. The same picture. A little bit different, because there was no man involved from Abraham and Sarah, but similar. The Spirit of God breathed on them, the Spirit of God breathed on her. But she held that word in her heart. She walked with the word of God, by faith, and a baby came to life. Some of us are waiting for God's promise just to, you know, go boom, down in front of us. And suddenly it'll all be there. Maybe not you, but, I, I, you know, sometimes it seems like that's what people think God does. That out of nowhere, in fact, I said something at a prayer meeting to someone and said, I don't know if revival's going to be like this sudden, a sudden, you know, bomb of a whole new thing in front of us. Oh, no, it must be. That's exactly what God said. I said, I know the picture of the Bible is God speaks, someone's heart hears, holds the word, with the speaking comes the breath, and it begins to form the word. Christ formed 
sinner. So how long before the Mary uh, conceived Jesus till Jesus was born as a baby? Anyone want to guess? The secret? Got that secret? Anyone? I don't exactly know, but it was pretty close to nine months. I mean, some babies are born a week or two early or late. I have a son who was born 10 weeks early, so uh, I don't think he was that premature. But, uh, yeah, there's some things we know, isn't there? But you get what I'm saying? Just, he didn't come as a, as a complete mature man. He grew into that. And that's how we grow as Christians. That's how the promises grow in us. That's how, how all the blessings of God grow in us. We hear a word. We hold the word. The Spirit performs the word in us. And then somehow we find it's starting to overflow into our relationships, into our realm, into what's going on in our life. And that doesn't discount that God can arrange things for us. He does that as well. But he's interested in forming Christ in us. He wants to do the impossible in your life, in my life. And have you ever noticed, if you've been at this for a while, how, how sometimes you resist that? Here's an example. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not, too, you know, not too complicated. So a couple of, and you may have heard this. I'm not sure if I've shared this story before. A couple of years ago, 2019, uh, at the end of July, um, I'm having uh, a meal with a friend of mine in Brisbane. My wife's mother lives in Brisbane. We were visiting her family, mother and family. And uh, this guy's a, a guy I went to Bible college with in 78, 79, 80. He went on to become a, stayed in the same denomination and he's sort of, you know, one of the hierarchy uh, over New Zealand, Australia and other things. And so we, we always catch up when we can. And, and uh, one of those, you know, always enjoyable to catch up. And he said, oh, we're talking about what we're doing and, yeah, he's got change in his life. I've got change in my life. He's, what are you doing next? I don't know. I'm just waiting to see what God's got. Because really, I didn't know what I was doing when I went back to New Zealand. I uh, didn't know where I was going. Didn't know where I was living. Didn't know where income. We had no, nothing in front of us. Zilch. We'd just finished a season working at a church and for a few months in North Canterbury. And, and uh, we really didn't know uh, anything. And so he says, well, you know, we've got a church up in Dargaville that, uh, you know, wanna, that, uh, you, know wanna, you can go up there and, you know, just look after that for a while while we figure out how to find a minister for it. And I thought, oh, I can't see that happening. Uh, anyway, some things grow on you, don't they? And he sent me an email. He said, oh, I'll send you an email about it anyway. <laughs> so he did. And, you know, so a few weeks later, we won our way to Dargaville. And this wasn't a paid job. We just went up there and looked after the church, and they looked after us as they felt like it. There was no contract. And we really only just made sure Sunday service happened. It wasn't sort of full on. Uh, and it was really small, but that, that was that worked out. So I kept saying, so God, why am I going to Dargaville? And of course, you're with some friends, and they're praying for you. Oh, yeah, God's got something for you in Dargaville. He's taking you there for a reason, and, you know, a few prophetic things. And, you know, I'm saying, so God, why am I going to Dargaville? <laughs> you know, I was born in Dargaville, by the way. I left at four, so uh, yeah. anyone not know where Dargaville is? Yep, so, so Dargaville is in the North Island, north of Auckland, and if you go to Whangarei on the east coast, it's about 50 kilometres on the west coast, and it's a farming town about the size of 5,000 people, and it's, you know, just a farming town about the 
5,000 people in a farming area where they grow lots and lots and lots of puma. Yeah, yeah, and other things, um, and maize. And so it's pretty flat around there. So, and, and then so I'm praying of this guy and says, Paul, Paul, do you know I brought you here? I said, yep, I'm, I'm settled in that. So why isn't that enough? Christ is forming something in me now. The Spirit of God is forming something in me now. Why isn't that enough? But, 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 God, oh, surely I need to know. No, no, why isn't that enough? And see, I'm mature enough to know quickly that he was saying, Paul, it's enough. <laughs> That's all you need to know. And if you're like me at that moment, my, it's a whole lot of things in me just wanted to say, no! I need an understanding of how can I be fully obedient to what you want me to do if you don't tell me what it is? I mean, do you ever feel like that? Please explain yourself, God. No, he has no obligation to explain himself to me or you. But you see, the lesson for me was, what am I learning? To trust God and not lean on my own understanding. Now, I've been around that fence once. And I say, God, how come I'm going around the same circle again? Well, you know what happens is you, you get deeper and deeper trust. You don't know how much deeper trust can go. You think you've learned to trust God and he comes around and, oh, there's a deeper level of trust. So all of a sudden, you know, our flesh will push back at times. And we've got to learn to discern. But ask the Holy Spirit, help me discern when, when some of my uncomfortable feelings is my flesh persecuting the, your work of the Spirit in me. And that word persecute that we read, second to bottom line, it, it could mean drive out. It's like Ishmael's trying to drive Isaac out of the house. He doesn't want to share the inheritance. And God comes and says, God, Ishmael's got to go. Only Isaac can receive your inheritance. He got some blessings, he got some stuff, but not the inheritance. And some of us have got to do some driving out. of our hearts. We put up with too much junk. And when you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, when you're feeling like you're afraid, when you're feeling like it's, uh, it's a bit confusing, when you're feeling like it's a bit, you're a bit disorientated, it's not a reason to stop trusting God. Because sometimes God's got to take us through those things. Because that's our flesh acting up. And I've just heard too many people say, oh, I don't feel good about that, it can't be God. And I want to say, well, if it's His Word, it's God. And I may not, how to, I may not know how to get from there from his word in me to his word, you know, being performed in me, but I don't have to know. But I do have to trust God with it. And I do have to walk the journey with it. And so that day, sitting up there, I say, God, I have to give up. I have to be dead, as good as dead, to my feeling that I need to know why I'm in Dargaville. That's where 
I come back to the cross. So here, I crucify, I am crucified with Christ. I'm as good as dead now, God, to my need to understand. That doesn't mean to come, come back at me. But I tell you, every time, no, I'm as good as dead for you. I don't need to understand anymore why I'm here. I don't need to understand why I'm in awakened church. The freedom that comes, it's pretty good, isn't it, when you get some freedom? Because if I know God brought me here, I expect his spirit to be performing what he wants to do, even if I don't understand it all. In fact, I'm really hoping he's doing more than I can understand. Because I don't want to be the limitation to what God wants to do. He's hearing something here. So I think we need to finish because I've gone too long. Um, time is over. Yeah. I was going to do something today, um, cause, but we haven't got the time. We can do it another week. It's different. That's the plan. One week, not to this week. I'm setting you up now. I'm just giving you insight. And when we finish the message, I'd just like to invite you to get into little groups and just spend a few moments sharing with one another maybe that, that thing which God has stirred in you and praying for each other. But I think we'll leave that to next week. Uh, and we'll work on time. And let me pray. And then we're going to finish there. Yeah. Remember, it's impossible for me. It's impossible for Paul. It's impossible for you. But it's possible for God. And Father, we choose today as a people, well, I do, and I'm calling you to as well, to step into God, to acknowledge our weakness, to acknowledge it's impossible for me. But then say, but I want to step into God. I want to step into Jesus Christ afresh. I want to step into that what that which God is doing even when I don't understand it. Knowing I can never control it. Knowing that my, my, my old self, my flesh, my mind my, will sometimes push back, fight back and try and undermine. But I, I take that on board, but I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust the work of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God to work in me. The things that you've said you are doing to form Christ in me. But Father, I pray for each of us in this room that, that we would just find ourselves discovering you afresh, that we would find ourselves discovering that you are indeed working in us, working in our hearts, working in our souls, working in our minds, working us, forming Christ in us. And it's good. It's good, good, good. It's freeing. It comes with peace and joy and rest. Mm, thank you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless us, your people. I bless every man, every woman, every child in this room. We bless the children uh, in, in the children's church. We bless the leaders there. I bless you with a, a deeper uh, knowing of the love of God for you. I bless you with a, a deeper excitement and enthusiasm and grasping of the life of Christ given for you, the blood of Jesus shed for you, this beautiful invitation into Christ. I bless you with the call of the blood of Jesus in your heart saying, come, 
come to the Father. I bless you with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit in you, the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. And I bless you with the peace of God and the joy of God and the confidence we have in Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. That's us this morning. Done. That's us here, you know, not us, but yeah.